to A Bittersweet, the video game podcast from Foul Entertainment. I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And today we're going to be discussing the evils of DLC, which is worse. I mean, there's a very veritable things that we're going to be talking about. It was just going to be expansion packs versus microtransactions, but that felt a bit too one-sided. So we're going to talk about all sorts of DLCs. All the ways that EA want to take your money. Yeah, EA is basically doing everything on this list now that you mention it. Hmm. They really are. I mean, they 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 came out at E3. I think they knew the backlash they've been getting to. You know, the apex of their of their douchebaggery, and they came out with at least with Battlefront Two and seemed to be making positive strides, and that's good. And we're not saying that all of these are inherently evil and ways of taking money from you that you wouldn't have to deal with in the PS2 days where you got everything in the game that you purchased. There's varying degrees of hell where they work. Some of them, I think, are, are almost irredeemable. You might be able to get past But some of them, done correctly, can be good. But we're here to compare them all and hopefully come to a conclusion where we feel this is the biggest evil, the biggest blight on gaming at the moment. There isn't episodic gaming. Hey, I like it. Shut up. So we'll start with what I think I don't think that you will find in any way just redeemable or excusable and that's a virtual currency in a game because because you are paying for money that is worth less than the money that you use to pay for it yeah it's a bit shit to be honest Uh, and frankly i don't think it has any place in any game whether that is free or otherwise yeah, it's always it's usually seen in freemium games. That's true. Where it's in Pokemon Go. It's in Pokemon example. Go, for example, and it's just a way of. I, I really feel it's quite exploitative of. I, I don't want to brandish it all as like oh, it's just picking on kids, but you do seem to see it in a lot of iPhone games, which are predominantly played by children, because because it's not money, which we can instantly you know figure out how expensive that is. Because it's in different numbers, you can't quite figure it out wholeheartedly how much something truly costs. And that's how they get you, because then they obviously sell you their virtual currencies in bigger and bigger bundles, and you think, oh, that's not too much, but because you're not you know, dealing with it straight away, you can't actually equate the virtual money to what that's actually going to buy you in the long run. Well, you're paying for something that simply doesn't exist. Yeah. What you're paying for is a way to pay for something else. Which yeah. is pretty reprehensible. Really, two thousand five hundred Poke coins in Pokemon Go is not worth anything. You pay twenty pounds for it, but it's not worth anything when you then have to try and break down in your head. It's like, okay, well, an incubator is one hundred and fifty. So then you've got to do the conversionary maths between twenty pounds and two thousand five hundred coins. Then the what? Ten percent. Basically, you have to have pretty good mathematical knowledge to even figure out what a single item in the game is worth. Yeah. And when you're not presented with an option to buy that single item, it's the game is essentially saying, you're going to cough up this amount because we know that you need this in the game or you need that in the game. Yeah. And it can really stretch from as, as close as a different colour item for your avatar to an item you need to progress in the game. Yeah. These things tend to halt freemium games and the worst examples of freemium games play on this uh, a lot in that you'll probably have even like not even just one version of their virtual currency there'll be three different versions all at different pricing levels that really just confuse you things and they're almost always out of like reach like instead of making it really straightforward so for example uh, a pokemon egg incubator in pokemon go costs 250 coins but you can't buy 250 coins you can buy like 50 odd 
and have to go up that way, or you buy a big chunk of it. So you then have to fork out £5, but then, okay, you can afford multiple items, but that's more money than you intended to spend, which is quite bad. Yeah. Um, and, and there's yeah, there's no real gain around this. It's quite a terrible system, but I see why it works. Again, they're exploiting people by, by that kind of tiered way of doing it, by throwing multiple currencies at them, and kind of choking your game. The best of them, you can play properly, but you just need patience. Pokemon Go, I didn't put any money into Pokemon Go for a year, basically. And even then, it was £5 to buy a little extra storage because I'd started to fill up uh, with my Pokemon storage. So I spent £5. That's fine. Over the course of a year, that works out to, you know, pence a day. That's fine. But, you know, you hear these people, especially on something like Clash of Clans, where you need that kind of currency flowing in to be able to play at anything like a normal game speed. There's people spending obscene amounts of money and they know what they're doing. They're preying on vulnerable people and it's working. So we've started off with a good a good benchmark here as yeah. something truly reprehensible. Um, it doesn't really affect us as bad though, I don't think. No, the option the, the the only saving grace of the virtual currency is you do not lose out on any game. You're just not getting to the game as quickly as other players. Yeah. Which which does sound like a thing. It's like, oh, your game lasts longer if you play it this way, but it's because you are progressing at a snail's pace as opposed yeah. to flying through a game like you were actually playing it. Yeah. And yeah, it removes the skill from gaming, yeah. basically, because you're paying to win, essentially. And even worse than some of the things we're going to talk about later where you're also paying to win, this one you're playing you're paying just to play the game, Yeah, which is not a great thing. Not um, for free games. And it certainly has no... I, I maybe see the merit it may be in it more in free games, but not in a full-priced... Oh, no, they're no. really stupid. Yeah, when Call of Duty comes out with fucking Call of Duty coins, I'm like, that can no, fuck off. That's, that's no. not a thing that should exist. Okay, that's our benchmark. Yeah. Now, everything we're going to mention going forward, when we come to the end of our discussion, we will then compare and contrast and say, is it worse than virtual currency? Starting with premium subscription services. Yeah. Now, this is one of your bugbears... Um, so I'll let you lay the groundwork here. I would defend one and one only subscription service, and that is PlayStation Plus. Right. And I want to lay down, I think, the PlayStation Plus, even after the £10 hike, uh, price hike that has been literally just implemented, mm-hmm. I still think it's worth the money. Because you're... I mean, it's perceived value for the online services. Because mm-hmm. that used to be free on PS3. It's no longer free on PS4. But the library of games that you get given for free, again, big quotation marks, is good. And I do believe that the stuff that they offer offers a good variety. You do get varying uh, levels of game from large AAA releases, maybe as soon as six months after they've come out at full retail Mm -hmm. price, to uh, a collection of good indie games that you otherwise wouldn't play. And I think that it is a lottery because this month it's Infamous Second Son. And after I've gone mad trying to find the disc... So oh, I can yeah. fucking replay that game. It's now free. And I'm like, right. okay, well, that's a bit of a ball ache. That has come at the time of the price hike, though. So now if this means that from now on, because we're paying more, we're going to be getting more games akin to this, especially now we're further into the PS4's live title, because that was a launch game for the PS4. That's fine. But I've often found some of the moments where I've just gone on and gone, oh, I don't care about any of those games. I don't want to even bother. I'm just going to move on with my life. Um, no, this is more a, a problem with individual games having their their own subscription services. True. Um, which you showed me the Battlefield example. The, battle, the Battlefield Premium. 
And there's a lot of games that are doing this at the minute. Uh, a Battlefield Premium subscription will get you access to all the DLC packs, which is, uh, you know, the expansion packs, the map packs, etc. But it will also give you access to uh, maps, skins, weapons, the like, uh, that is uh, exclusive to those who have this yearly subscription service, which, like PS Plus, you lose access to when you stop paying. Right. So everything, or basically the full game, the game at its full potential is behind a, not only a purchase of the disc or the download, whatever you're paying, anywhere between, let's be, let's be reasonable, it could probably be as cheap as 35 and as expensive as 60, let's mm-hmm. say. Anywhere between 35, 60 quid and then the audacity to pay for a 30 pound to 40 pound yearly subscription on top of that yeah. for one game. It seems a bit, well, let's call it what it is. It's exploitative. It is. It's exploitative of its fan base and it's exploitative of locking away things behind paywalls that have already been created. Yeah, if you've all, if you've then got to re-up, because you've already bought some DLC, but then there's an even higher price point to get there. That's very, very bad. I mean, it's it's more prevalent in PC games, but because that's just the way that PC games tend to be, they follow the World of Warcraft model... It's not okay, but it's it's a system that has worked itself out over many years to be at least somewhat fair. See, where was one of those examples that doesn't really fit into any mould, though? Because that was a full-price retail game when it was released, in of itself, that you then had to pay the subscription to play. Mm-hmm. So you were spending 80 quid on the game when it came out. But then it had full standalone expansions that then plugged into that game to offer new areas, new quests, and an expansion of the story. Mm-hmm. But then you still had to pay for the online services, and you've already paid for the disc. Yeah. Now you can pick up WoW free. You can play the base WoW game for nothing. No subscriptions, you can just play it. That's mm-hmm. cool. But if you then want to experience other parts of where you have to buy the add-ons, right. which obviously are as cheap as pence and is as expensive as they've got a new one coming out, which will retail full price. Right. So that's kind of a more impressive model now. But at the time, maybe three to four expansions into it, I think up to Cataclysm, it was a purchase of a full price game. The, um, the pass that you can play online and then let's say another 20, 30 quid for every expansion. So it's... It works out at about a £200 game. Didn't think of it that way. It, this is why shit like that is evil. It's just not a good model. I didn't know you were a World of Warcraft fan. I know a lot about gaming. What can I say? We started a podcast about it, Darren. Yes, we did. Um, I must admit, I've not had much um, dealings with this type of thing. Because, it's, again, it's very prevalent in first-person shooters. And for the most part, I don't really touch them. Um, it's also big with MOBAs as well. Yeah. Which is just a genre that I've just never clicked with because it seems incredibly exploitative. And I know that games like League of Legends are good for their fan base and work thematically as a competitive game really well. Mm-hmm. But it's a case of like, oh, it's a free game, but you can only play as these 10 characters or you can give us lots of money and play as the other 70. I'm like, oh, fuck off. No. Yeah. yeah. But is it a worse evil than virtual currency? I don't think I can really say the virtual currency is better. At least with the premium subscription, it's straightforward. You know what I mean? It's got a monetary value, not some make-believe monetary value, and you know what you're getting into before you even make that purchase. That's fine. With the virtual currency, because it's so dodgy and because it's so smoke and mirrors, I think it's still a worse evil. Yeah. 
I think you might be right on that one. And again, because I've never encountered it, it's in a very small niche, whereas virtual currency is becoming more and more prevalent, especially with the rise of iPhone games. Yeah. Um, right, that moves us on to uh, DLC expansions. So, the traditional sense of, of DLC. Yeah. The one that has been around for the longest time, um, especially, you know, coming to prominence on the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and moving into the new generations. This is where this is a, a expansion ranging anywhere between new map packs to a full-blown new you know story basically um coming out for a game that you've already purchased which back in the day would have just been a um standard thing on the game for example if pokemon silver and gold had been released in these day in these days you know for a fact kanto would have been dlc yeah no doubt in my mind we would have to pay extra to get on that ssn um now i think there is good and evil here I think lazy DLC is exactly that. So when they bring out, um, for example, Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us, and there are, what, I think nine characters that are DLC, and you have to pay for them, and also premium skins, and also normal skins as well. That's quite cheeky. I mean, they've already got a pretty expansive roster, but that should be in the game. Fighters shouldn't be the DLC content. Tekken's taking a slightly different version where they're all free. The 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 legendary, so what they called now, the, the legacy fighters. So people um, from outside of the series, they no, hang on. It's either the people outside the series you have to pay for, and the ones that from previous Tekken games will be free, or vice versa. I can't remember. Either way, you are still locked out of a full roster of characters. That, um, but now it's becoming more um, where you'll you'll have like a DLC story mission. For example, the Arkham ones. Arkham was very bad for this. Mm. You would have um, now in Arkham City, you had the Catwoman stuff, which was free DLC, fantastic, and it was a genuine quite big chunk of that game. But then you, you get to Arkham Knight, and you get like, oh, it's the Nightwing pack, fantastic! I'll lay down my dollar for that, and it literally takes you fifteen minutes, and you're done. All the stuff you need to cover in that game. Is finished, finito. Same for the Robin, same for the Harley Quinn packs. Terrible. That's not the way to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Kind of. Right. I think this is actually the most defendable kind of DLC, and I think we agree on that. Because if it's done correctly, it can be awesome. Because we all have to bow down and acknowledge, you know, the elephant in the room, the greatest DLC of all time, which I'm sure you will agree is Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. It is amazing. The best DLC ever made but right? then that became a standalone game but there's the thing you can enjoy red dead redemption to its absolute fullest at full retail price and you don't even need to touch undead redemption uh undead nightmare because it's completely separate it's an elsewhere story it's fine it's over there if you want to pay that you then essentially get a whole new game it's set in it's you know same skins and stuff and same characters and stuff but it's a it's a pretty lengthy campaign. It's probably about six or seven hours long. When Dead Nightmare, it involves the entire map being reworked over the Mexico, and it's just it's the best DLC there ever has been. If everything followed that, instead of doing these little tiny little packages of stuff, if Arkham Knight had come out and said, right, we got a big one, they did do something like this. They had the kind of um, they had one where they had Mad Hatter, Krilla Croc, uh, Mister Freeze, and somebody else <laughs> who was... Oh, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Um, the uh, season of unhappiness or whatever the fuck it was called. That was better. That was extended, but it came at the end of all these little tinier DLC packs. It didn't come out in one big go. Yeah. Do it like that, and it's defendable. I've played the games, it's fully... That's fine. If I want a, 
a massive chunk of DLC, I can go and do that for a relatively okay price. And like you say, and I think there are two, in my head, there are two great examples of how to do it right and how to do it 100% wrong. The right one, like you say, would be Undead Nightmare, but my example is the original... Actually, no, to be fair, both of them. Both Borderlands games have done this 100% right because the game you get at retail that you pay £40 for is the game. Then the DLCs take time to come out because they have been worked on once the game has been 100% finished and released, which is the right way to do it because it adds new areas, new characters, new weapons, new ways to play, new vehicles... It's a set, like I say, it's a full game on its own. Yeah. So Borderlands, um, I think it was the Secret Army of General Knox was the one that added the most areas. And it was like, okay, you remember fighting that big final boss? There's now a new, bigger final boss, a completely unique fight, and that's cool. Fantastic. Because we're not traipsing around the same area, which I think is the one... Then again, Undead Nightmare did get reworked, so okay, maybe I will actually let it have that one. On the other end of the spectrum... And what tends to be the case nowadays with big DLC packs, it is a portion of the game that has been removed to sell you again later. Yeah. And there's a lot of games that are guilty with this. Asura's Wrath being one of the worst offenders in my head. Because that was a game I was fucking pumped for. Mm -hmm. If you remember, we went to Game Fest in 2012 or 2013. We did. And I played Asura's Wrath. And I was like, oh my god, it's it's just me beating up gods. It was basically Bayonetta before Bayonetta was Bayonetta. Right. And I was like, oh yes. Turns out, Darren, mm. you can play that game start to finish, or so you think, on the retail disc. But if you want the ending of the game, if you want to beat the last boss, that's another £15, please. Oh. That can go and fuck itself in the arse. That is just the worst thing. And at at the same time, let's not pretend that this is a one-time problem for Capcom. For uh, Street Fighter X Tekken... Was it Street Fighter X Tekken? It was Street Fighter X Tekken. They had a bunch of um, uh, classic Capcom characters that they just had. And they were like, we're going to be releasing this shit version of Mega Man and Pac-Man in a robot suit. And it'll be £15 when we eventually finish making it. But it was already on the disc, Darren. And it took people digging through the code, because as people want to do, they dig through the code, to find the uncheck mark when you've oh. paid them £15 to access that fucking DLC. That's bad. That's when it's just incompletely undefendable. Which is it's a shame that the Undead Nightmare and all the Borderlands DLCs have to share the same category as Asura's rap, basically as Capcom. Yeah. Fuck Capcom. I can see what you mean. All those ones I mentioned with Arkham Knight, they could easily have been part of that game. Yeah. There is no reason why. Okay, it's more of a problem when it's like day one DLC. I'm like, all right, if it's ready for day one, it was ready to be on the disc. Yeah. Don't give me that. Now, like Horizon Zero Dawn, they've taken, what, six to seven months, and then we're going to get the Frozen, uh, the Frozen Lands DLC. Fine. I've had enough room between there. It feels like it wasn't something removed from the game. They've taken their time. Assassin's Creed can be a bit bad about this mm. because Brotherhood was meant to be an expansion to um, to number two and it was removed and turned into the full game it was. Now, I don't know whether that's good or bad. Could they have left that stuff in there and it would have been like another two hours added on? Yeah. Or was it worth it to take it away, fix the combat engine and, and release Brotherhood? Being that Brotherhood is my favourite Assassin's Creed game, that's a bad example because I fucking love Brotherhood. Mm. Yeah. It's probably the best Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. I think Black Flag's probably more fun, but Black Flag's actually a Pirate. bad Assassin's Creed it's game. A, it's a terrible Assassin's Creed game because all the Assassin's Creed stuff sucks. Yeah, it's the best pirate game ever. Yeah. You're right. I'm replaying Syndicate at the moment. I, I, it, it's pretty good. I, I like Syndicate. Fair enough. Um, 
Okay, so DLC is not a... At its best, it can be a great thing. At its best, it's worthy of being turned into a game in its own right. Yeah. So At its, at its worst, it's Capcom. Or, okay. or, or uh, mm, this is the thing. I now need to decide in my head what what do I hate more, Capcom or virtual currencies? Mm. You're wearing a Capcom shirt. I know I'm wearing a Capcom shirt. That doesn't mean I don't hate their characters. I just hate them as a company. But you're wearing the Capcom shirt. I like shirt. Mega Man. Oh, oh, like okay. Mega Man. Oh, they've fucking treated Mega Man dreadful over the years. Fuck. Oh no. Oh god. The Japanese company teaching their blue mascot badly. What? <laughs> that never happened in gaming. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> have you played the new Sonic game yet? No, but it looks. But that game wasn't made by uh, Sonic. No, team, no, it wasn't. It was made by a bunch of fan modders, and apparently it shows because it's goddamn amazing. But oh, yeah, apparently it's amazing. Hello. But mm, I, I was never one. I played Sonic and Knuckles when I was a kid. And I think that's as much as I. Had about it. Yeah, you never played Sonic Advanced. Oh no, I did play Sonic Advanced, mm. but I think I played two or three. Mm. Was Sonic Advanced good. They were all right. Like, gotta gotta do things at a terminal velocity. But other than that, good point. Okay, should but, we continue? Okay, it's not as bad as virtual currency because it can be very good. Can be, but it can. And be... it's worse. It's worse. Yes, but it can be good given to the right company with the right intentions. DLC can be fine. I think we might disagree there because just of how much I hate practices like Capcom's but we'll we'll come to that bridge at the end of the episode but what about microtransactions oh god everyone loves microtransactions and I don't want to be the one to open up defending microtransactions Darren but I'm afraid I'm going to have to oh go on then Michael no okay let preamble Pro- microtransactions don't have a place in AAA games they flat out do not <clears throat> oh god we're not going to disagree on that <clears throat> are we? oh this is going to be a fun one they have a place in free games, mm-hmm. and they their place in free games is to offer things that keeps the game afloat. The best example of which is Warframe, which is a game for PC, Xbox One, PS4. Um, that game is free to play, Darren. You can play Warframe using all of the goddamn characters, all of the goddamn levels, and all of the goddamn weapons. Right. What you're paying for when you p- buy um, microtransactions for Warframe is skins for your weapons, or materials to make further weapons, or prime versions of the characters which have different abilities. So you're essentially paying for new characters as well. And the reason that that is defendable, the reason I will defend Digital Extreme's model, is because the game is good first, and then asks for your money later. I have not sunk a single penny into Warframe, and I have loved every second I've played it. Okay. And it's one of those games where the mechanics just work well, and you actually kind of want to support Digital Extremes, who are the developers, because they've developed a strong community. As in, they haven't just gone, give us money, please. They've like they put on events and they've told everybody what's coming up. It's like, okay, well, this is what you'll get for this price. And this is what, how we do it. Yeah. This is how we break it down. Their community management is absolutely fantastic uh, to the point where we now know like the developers on first name and uh, username basis but they play with their fans okay they're an extremely recommendable company and it's a great game cool however here we go there's no excuse i feel even for cosmetics and, and i get it and i understand why people go oh well it's only 2 pounds and i get a pink gun like okay if you want to do that, that's fine. However, these used to be called unlockables. Yeah. And that's what grates me. And and I agree that here's why I don't think it's as big as evil as the other things we've mentioned. Because it uh, as if it affects the games, like 
it was very bad with Call of Duty a few years ago, where you could essentially pay to win. And the, and the first Battlefront game under EA, you could come in, you could buy, like, Han Solo's good, and you would just win. Because everyone else early on did not have a good enough rifle to compete with you, and you were playing to you were paying money to win all of your fucking stuff. That's annoying. When it gives you a tactical advantage because you bothered to pay more money, that is bad. That is not the way around to do it. If it's a level playing field, everybody, no matter how much budget they have, plays the exact same game and is equally as capable of winning or losing as everybody else is, that doesn't bother me. If it's then, oh, but if you want to play two quid and get a Wookiee head, you can do that. That is fine for you. If you want to pay two quid to get your little insignia on your little gun thing, that's fine. Because you can avoid that. And that's why I don't think it's too much of an evil. I don't begrudge companies trying to make money, right? That That's, again, because we, we, we have to think of that side, right? We have to think they're, they're still businesses trying to make money and they've got to find the best way of doing that that isn't exploitative. And I don't think aesthetical changes are exploitative. If it's something that should be in there... So you had to pay to players. Uh, let me let me think of a good example. Right, with the clown troopers coming out, right? Yeah. If you wanted to play as like the cool maroon ones that were in the um, in Battlefront Two on the PS Two, and it was a little bit of cost, that could be quite annoying. I would want something like that. But if it's a change, you know, the colour of their white glove from black to steel grey, and you're stupid enough to pay a pound for that, that is fine. That is cool. I don't care about that type of thing. If it's special, like special content, it's coming out six months afterwards, and we've released all new um, variations on stormtroopers or the clone troopers from like the expanded universe. That's fine. I won't touch that. If you love the expanded universe and you want to go and get those costumes, you can do so. You are free to do that. That's fine. That's why I don't think it's as big a, a problem. And because it's microtransactions, it does depend on how much you're paying for it. If you're paying, if you're charging someone £10 to put a sticker on their gun, that is bad. If you're charging them 50p, that's fine. I know. And and it's a bit more it's a bit more straightforward in games like Battlefront and games like Titanfall, where you are where you're putting your money up front and you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. The dark side of microtransactions are loot boxes. Yes. And it's and it's something that even in games I adore. Is a fucking huge problem. Oh, fuck yes. Overwatch is the one that really put this one forward and made loot boxes what they are now as this unstoppable force that they must be in every game because it worked for Blizzard once. Right. Because Overwatch is essentially a game where you can feasibly unlock everything the longer you play it. Right. Feasibly. But it doesn't stop you getting duplicates. And duplicates then just become an in-game currency and we all know what we think of in-game currencies. That's a good point. And the stuff in Overwatch looks great. There are skins for Overwatch characters where I'm like, holy shit, that looks amazing. I yeah. really want it. I'm not, however, going to pony up 40 quid to keep rolling the dice hoping I get it. Yeah, that's bad. That's very, very bad. Um, that's it. Because if you have a game where right, you want the aesthetic of a Stormtrooper, you want the black Stormtrooper suit... You can earn that if you play the game and you earn coins at a relative rate. Like you're not going to have to play like for two years straight on this thing to earn that. That's fine. If you're good at the game, you give it a month, you'll be able to afford that. But if you want it right now, that's a pound. That's fine. That's good. Then I have no problems with that whatsoever. Let's think. Microtransactions aren't micro anymore. They are near enough full full yeah. price investments. Yeah. And in a game where you've already pulled up forty quid for the game, yeah. I don't feel that it should be behind any paywall. And maybe that's a bit entitled. And maybe we're looking at it in the sense of 
the consumer loses whilst the developers and the, well, the publishers, more than anybody else, are going to be feeling the benefits of yeah. this. Because I imagine that there's not a lot of this going back to the publishers unless it's in a case like Warframe and Digital Extremes where it's just a self-published game. Okay, I see where you're coming from. So let's, I'll put it this way. If it's for acceleration, I don't think it's that bad, bad, that bad a thing. If it just gets you something you want faster, but you could otherwise get that, that's fine. If it's a true paywall and you can't get that without it, then yes, it is bad. Is it as bad as virtual currency, though? No. And Which are essentially microtransactions, just with more confusion and, and vagueness. That's true. So, no. I don't think... We really shouldn't have started with virtual currency, because... <laughs> it's a bad idea, wasn't it? Don't worry. Funny. We've got the two words that every gamer hates to hear... Season pass. Oh fuck! Pay us money for shit we haven't done. Yeah, essentially, it's it. You are buying the good faith of the developer, which may or may not be a good idea if the base game is total shit. This is the most problematic. Where right, it annoys me a lot when they come out in like when they announce the thing at E three. They announce the game. Here it comes, and don't worry, the season pass is coming too. That's bullshit. There's one game that personifies why this is a dreadful idea. I could say it with me now. Evolve. Oh. Really? Oh, what, what, what I was are you thinking, thinking of Assassin's Creed, because Assassin's Creed Syndicate did this and came out day one. Yeah, but it wasn't to the case of the Evolve went to where oh, yeah, the yeah, announcement right. and was like, and don't worry, here's the season pass, here's the day one DLC, when's the game coming out? Uh, Pre-order now. Like, fucking no. Yeah, and it's especially... This is why I didn't buy the um, the Arkham Knight season pass. They told you nothing about what was coming on that thing. Breath of the Wild kind of did it. Where it was like, there'll be a an in-game expansion and then a storyline expansion. But we have no details for you. That's fucking nothing. The the Arkham Knight one didn't even specify how much DLC you'd be getting, what it was, when it was coming, or anything like that. And that's despicable. That's that's probably as bad as virtual currency. And yet, Darren, I'm about to defend it. Oh, Christ. Because, and I know this will piss you off, because we've already had this conversation. Mm. I do think episodic content is allowed to have season passes. Because it's a game that is that has a clear end and you know you're getting it in chunks. And because of games like Wolf Among Us and like um, Life is Strange, I have to let this one slide and I can't call it the worst. Which pains me, Darren, because season passes are the worst fucking thing imaginable. But if it means I'm going to get a game, I guess with some of them I'll take the chance. Not with... Arkham, I think Arkham's a good example where it's like, I don't know what I'm paying for, no. but you still want me to pay £40 on top of the £40 I've just paid. Yeah. But Life is Strange is a game where it's like, this game comes out in five chunks, here's when the first one comes out, here's when the last one comes out, you'll get it this way, it's 15 quid. I'm like, okay, £15, I, I, I mean, if I enjoy part one, which I can play for free... Okay, that's... You know what I mean? That's just a different way of of selling it. Yeah, when you can play part one for free, and then it's like, and 15 quid if you want to play the rest. Okay, fine. That's not not as bad. But, yeah, and they're becoming more and more frequent. Uh, Now, it seems that they've done away with this for Battlefront 2. They've said, we're not going to be charging you for content. All DLC will be free. 
fantastic. I think that you're going to get microtransactions up the absolute wazoo with that fucking game. You will mm. not be able to move for microtransactions on Battlefront 2. It's EA. But exactly, they're going to be making their money somehow. I'm like, there's going to be sponsorships, isn't it? We're going to have a big fucking Tango logo on the side of the Atat or some <laughs> shit like that. But um, No, it's I- going to be Fanta because they're space Nazis. Fanta was invented in Nazi Germany. Was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, well done, man. This oh, guy. Well done. Have you seen, sorry, this complete sidebar, have you seen the all new vehicles from uh, The Last Jedi, which is essentially an attack with a big gun and a slightly more um, aerodynamic Star Destroyer? Yeah. Lads. <laughs> Lads, come on now. We can have new ships, okay? We had TIE Fighters and X-Wings in the first one. That's fine, but we can't just reinvent all the old ships. But Darren, it's got a new hat. <laughs> oh God, it's so Malibu Stacy. Also, there's a Simpsons quote for everything. There is a Simpsons quote for everything. Do you think season passes are therefore worse than virtual currency? I, I went into this episode thinking I was going to crown season passes. That's the why worst. we put it last. And I genuinely think oh. that it's the most despicable thing that a AAA company can do. But at the same time... There's always that one game that defends the idea of it, whereas I haven't seen a single game use an in-game virtual currency well. In fact, games that I have actually paid money into, like Pokemon Go, I still wish it didn't exist. And I feel bad for doing it. Whereas I don't think I've ever felt bad paying for a season pass for an episodic game like Life is Strange. Life is Strange is the most current and best known example I can think of. Especially when it's doing stuff like the the sequel to like well, the prequel to Life is Strange is out this week. And it's like you can okay, you can play episode one, go and have fun. If you want episodes two through five, it's this much. If you want episodes two through five and then a lead in episode which leads indirectly to episode into the original Life is Strange, it's this much. I'm like, well I'm obviously gonna buy that because it's more of the thing I like. So I guess I have to say that it's not the worst. So the official conclusion of this 8 bittersweet is that virtual currency despite a lot of competition is the worst thing in gaming today completely undefendable there's there's no excuse for it to exist why not just attach a monetary value to it like you'd get in microtransactions which i can't believe i'm defending like you get in a season pass which i really can't believe i'm defending there's it shouldn't be a thing darren i should know what my money gets me i shouldn't have to do conversionary maths to know what I'm paying for this virtual item. Oy vey. I concur. Let us know what you think is the worst thing in gaming. We've probably missed some things that we, we haven't been able to mention on here. Let us know. Let us know your opinions on all of their many channels. Uh, which you can reach me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'll add that mic going. Or you can reach the site on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Claire Mines, Instagram and a couple of others under the username FowleyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. Darren? You can follow me on Twitter at TheGutridge. You can follow my Instagram at G. Please do go check out a review that we would have got out by the time this comes to you uh, for Lucky Logan. And Logan Lucky. I keep, I keep... Lucky Logan. That keeps happening, okay? Logan Lucky, uh, which will be out, as I said, right now on our site as well. And we will see you next with, we think, Kingsman? We think, unless something else comes up, I think it's Kingsman. It Maybe Kingsman. So you may not see us for a while, but go back and listen to the archives. It's Michael is helpfully putting up on YouTube. That I am. Oh, plug, 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 plug. Bye, everybody. Bye! Bye!